promise three years ago when we started the process uh, of pursuing this Believe Land vision, finding a way to trust God, to allow us to put our resources into people and not be weighted down by brick and mortar, the infrastructure of a facility that has aged and outlived its purpose for us. It's, it's still an amazingly beautiful facility in so many ways. And I believe it's got some life left in it. But as far as what God's called us to do, uh, we felt very strongly three years ago. Now, if you're new, uh, in the last three years, you were not here for the Believe Land Vision. So just very quickly, the Believe Land Vision is simple. It is, we believe as a church that God wants us to be able to put our resources more into people than brick and mortar. It doesn't mean we won't have a facility. We will have a facility, but it will be an efficient facility. Uh, it will allow us to put the majority of our resources, the, the tithes and offerings that we give, we will know that a much larger percentage will be going into uh, people and telling people about Jesus and investing in people. And, and that vision, frankly, resonates with all of us. I don't think anyone here is going to allow the emotion they feel and fondness and memories they have for a building to get in the way of pursuing that vision. And so we have begun what we call the Believe Land journey. It started three years ago. And when it started, I made this statement. I said, I don't know, when you put a building up for sale, I don't know if it's gonna sell in a week, a month, a year. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna be two years or three or possibly never. Uh, ultimately, theoretically, the truth is, even if it never sold, we would still pursue the Believe Land vision. We might have to walk away from these facilities. We believe that's probably not going to happen. But ultimately, the vision remains the same. And so I thought, you know, today, three years, that's a big deal. Uh, I... I I really felt compelled to say, let's just kind of have one of those family talks. So if you're a guest and you're, you're visiting here today, we're glad you're here. Uh, normally we don't have as much uh, family, community talk about our vision and where we're going in a single service. But today I'm going to take a couple extra moments to do that. Because I, I've committed myself to communicating the best I possibly can so that we all will know uh, what's going on. And the, and the truth is, there is something more to talk about today. There's some reality uh, pressing upon us in regards to a possible sale of the building. Now, here's what I want you to hear me say. I want to say this as closely to his... You know, nothing but the facts as I possibly can. We received written documentation on Friday uh, of this last week. Uh, I, 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 I want to frame this the best way I can. Uh, Friday was a big deal for me. 
I, I had a birthday. It was one of the big ones, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, I turned 29, okay. <laughs> and uh, actually, if we were going how old I act, it would be probably closer to 19, but that's neither here nor there. But I got up, I started my day, I woke up at 2.30. You know, when you do that and you go, good grief, come on, I'm, I, it's the middle of the night. And, and I, I kind of just said, okay, Lord, this is it. And I got up and I talked to the Lord a lot and I asked the Lord for a birthday present. I've never done that before. I, isn't that silly? But I, I was sitting there and I kind of chuckled. I have my own little parties at two, three, four in the morning. And I told the Lord, I said, you've given me so much. I mean, good grief, how could I ask God for anything more? The gift of salvation, is that amazing? Free. We don't have to earn our, our salvation. Our relationship with him is based on what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And, and it's a gift. That's the greatest gift of all. If you're here today and you're, you're not... A follower of Jesus, maybe nobody ever explained to you that it's that simple. You just ask and you receive this gift. If you're willing to say, I'm sorry, I've messed things up, can't save myself, he'll give you that gift. But I asked him for a gift and, and I asked very specifically, I said, Lord, I, uh, I don't have any right to ask this, but could maybe this day be the day that we get something tangible this has been three years. Lord, I, I'm tired of this process. And I, I thought, I was thinking a lot about Moses. You all know the story of, of Moses in the wilderness? They left Egypt and they were going to the promised land only, you know, 40 years. It took them 40 years to get there. It was like a three-day walk. 40 years, you've got to be kidding me. They got up every day and, and all the little kids are going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> and in fact, there's some really neat stories in there because there's a, there's a word in the old King James English, the word is murmur. We don't use the word a lot, murmur. murmur. It's one of those words that actually sounds like what it means, doesn't it? Murmur, murmur, murmur. And we, and the story's unbelievable because God got frustrated with his kids, the people, the children of Israel. And actually, there's a dialogue there. You can go read this. Don't take it from me. But where God is just saying, I'm frustrated. Maybe we just need to start over with somebody else. <laughs> and, and, and Moses said, no, Lord, hang in there with these people. You know, let's, let's stick in there with them. And then a little bit later in the story, Moses was so frustrated. He said, God, we may want to go back and reconsider that idea you had to start over again. And that, that went on for years and years and years. And the truth is, an entire generation, do you realize that? Died off in the wilderness. Because they weren't ready to go into the promised land. And, and I have said many times, we are in a period of time where we've got to get ready. Hear, hear me, Bridge family. This involves us. God is doing some things, I think, to prepare us so that when we do move into believe land and it becomes a reality, we don't take with us the things that will hold us back after we get there. And so it, it really makes sense that every one of us see ourselves as a part of this narrative, this story. 
that God has called us to this believe land, this idea where the main thing is not buildings, bucks, and bodies. The main thing is people. And, and we're kind of reshaping that vision and what it means. And, and that means that we have to get off and under the weight of this. And so we got a call, my birthday. I get a call and I, I said, check your email, the phone conversation. We, we're sending you. The group that has been looking at our church, an African-American church, just absolutely good people. In fact, the, the pastor, Dr. Vernon, has become a dear friend of mine and, and I have immense respect for him, his faith, his theology, what he believes. We actually went to the same seminary for a period of time. And I, I just believe strongly in him. And they've wanted for the last six months this process. But they've had issues. There are issues to deal with. But just this last week, they got written confirmation from their financial institution. They are now approved to purchase this property here at 2324 Manchester Road. That's pretty exciting stuff. However... <laughs> Here comes the however. We, we don't have the contract yet. Okay, so. Six words. Would you repeat them after me? We don't have the contract yet. Ready? We don't have the contract yet that's in the lawyers and they're working on it. But the biggest issue was show me the money. You know, I wanted, do you got the money? A uh, little reference to an old movie. But <laughs> if, if we move forward as we believe we will, okay? If we move forward as we believe we will in the contract, and just to make it very clear, because it's been three years ago, our church voted. If you're new to our church family, uh, the way we operate here, the... <laughs> This is not my own Ed's little private, you know, toy store and candy store, and I write checks. I've never written a check in the nearly going on 12 years that I've been here. Uh, I work and make myself accountable, as our staff does, with some trustees. And so here, here's two things I want you to hear me say. They are qualified. We are working toward it. I believe that was the biggest hurdle the money, they have to put in contract their offer, and then our trustees have to approve it. So everybody's with me. We still have a couple of big issues to resolve, but I thought being the first Sunday of the month is when I talk about this, I felt with all of my heart, this, this seemed to be the time to tell you everything. I've held nothing back so that we can pray. And one of the things we've done periodically on the first Sunday of the month, we've set aside time and carved out some time to have just a season of prayer. We're going to close the service with that today. Uh, but I want to give you everything you need to know so you can pray intelligently. I want you to be able to pray very specifically. Now, a couple of things I want to kind of head off here and maybe get you ahead of the curve on thinking so we can start preparing ourselves. If, if the word church buys these facilities, which I believe they will, 
And, and that, for me to put my neck in that noose is a big deal. I may have to come up here and say I was wrong. And, and I hate, women, how many of your husbands hate to admit they're wrong? You know, anybody? <laughs> Men, we, we struggle with that. I will hate to admit. I will hate to admit that. But I will if I'm wrong. But I think we're heading that way. And if they do buy it, it means that we will have, okay, this is getting you ahead of the curve. It means for a period of time after the sale, as we make our plans for our move to our new home, there will be a season when two families will be living in the same facilities, two families under one roof. It has a great potential to be something very cool and a lot of fun. However, if you've ever lived two families under one roof, let me just real quickly kind of poll you. How many of you at some time in your life have lived with family, maybe waiting to get into a house or get on your feet or whatever? How many of you have lived with other family for any length of time? Would you raise your hand and wave at me? <laughs> Look around at that. Now, that's like 90% of us. Uh, okay, here's my next question. How many of you, 90% of you, you lived with other family through the process of living with family, you never had one conflict, <laughs> you never had hurt feelings, you were never disappointed, it was virtually problem-free. Now, 90% of you raised your hands a moment ago. How many of you would be willing to say, not even this, a single hurt, not a single disappointment, not a single moment where anything went wrong, it was heaven on earth, it was amazing, and in front of God and all these people, I will state this brazen lie. Would you raise your hand? Okay. One, two, one, two, one. <laughs> and, and, you know, that may be the case. I leave room for the impossible because God works miracles. But the, the rest of us, what, what did we just learn there? Even with family that you love, sometimes there's friction when there's moving parts. So what I want you to get your head around is if we become the guests, which is really going to be weird and awkward because this used to be our home. We've sold our home and we become the guests. Everything's not going to stay the same. In fact, I, I'm, I'm announcing right now, we're going to do a combined unified service on June the 3rd, it'll be regular time for us, the bridge. The temple's going to come up, and we're going to pack in and all be together because I should have more answers by then. And we'll talk through some of the variables. But I want you to get ahead of the curve and be thinking because everything will not be the same. Does everybody understand that? And there will be potential for the train getting off the tracks. And we will be the guests, and we will have some real work to do to prepare ourselves to be good guests in someone else's home. And so I'm telling you that now because, you know, I want you to know it's not a done deal, but man, we are closer than we've ever been. When it does sell, 
It's not going to be the same. Things are going to change. And we'll do our best to communicate what those things are. But our intent will be, and this is the the last thing I want you to hear me say, our, our mission remains the same, even in the season while we're waiting to get into our new home, because we have been pursuing, we've been doing work to plan ahead for what comes next. It's not like we've been sitting back doing nothing. We have worked tirelessly to see. And in due season, at the appropriate time, we'll talk more about that. In fact, we'll do some revealing going into the 3rd of June. But in the season of in-between, the season of wait, the season of transition, the season when we're the guests, we need to prepare our hearts to do what God's called us to do. And that's to do whatever it takes to tell more people about Jesus. We, we will be called upon to just not quit, to never quit in pursuit of this mission to tell more people about Jesus. Which brings us to the three thoughts I want to give you today that piggyback on this lengthy talk I've had with you, which is kind of like a family, come on to the living room, we're going to sit down and talk through where we are, and I apologize for taking so much time, but I want you to walk out of here being able to pray intelligently. So you can grab your notes now, if you would, and I'm going to give you three thoughts relating to this idea of us as a, as a church having the faith to do whatever it takes to press forward to what God's called us to do. And so, number one, this vision, this idea we have that God's given us to press forward, to do whatever it takes. I want you to understand, number one, our vision to do whatever it takes is found in the words of Jesus. This is his idea. There's nothing about Christianity that is a sit back and wait kind of experience. It is something that requires us to, by faith, be proactive and do what we've been commissioned to do. Jesus wants us to attempt great things for him. I made a new friend just uh, recently. He did not know I was a pastor. He thought I was a perfectly normal person, okay? And we were kind of getting to be friends. And... Finally, it came out, and people, I just, I wish I had a a little snapshot every time someone knows me for a while and then finds out, you know, what I do. It's not who I am, it's what I do. I'm Ed, I'm a Christian, that's who I am. I've been called to serve, and so I'm a shepherd, I'm a pastor, I bleed shepherd's blood, I love you guys, I would die for you. And, And so, we got to know each other. But in talking, he'd never been around a Christian. You know, all, all he knew is what the sitcoms make fun of and Saturday Night Live makes fun of and, you know, you know, background, you know, one of the leading political candidates called us deplorables, you know. You all know the rhetoric. And, and he actually said the words, you, you're, you're kind of normal. <laughs> and, and we talked a little bit. But our mission is to go into the world and let people know that as people of faith, we're almost normal, okay? And this is our vision. Jesus gave it to us 
to go share our faith, to be real, authentic believers, normal people who happen to be Christians. And, and this is such an exciting thing to once you get this in your heart. You know, going to church doesn't mean <laughs> you're a nut job. It really doesn't. I think for far too long we've let that small splinter group of Christianity, the ultra-legalist, right-wing, militant wackos, to represent all of us. And we have a great mission, and that's to go out and tell people that you can live life and have a great life and be a follower of Jesus. In fact, you can have a better life than you could without him. And it's his idea for us to be people who are willing to do and attempt great things for him. And the greatest thing we do for him is to tell other people about him. So we need to be praying. That's why we're going to close this out today. We, we need to pray. And then we need to go and do whatever it takes to not quit, to never quit. Those of you who've been a part of this three years, you voted with the rest of the church. It was unanimous in here that we move forward. You haven't quit. You have stuck at it. You continue to sacrifice and serve. Man, I can't tell you how much I respect you and love you and appreciate you. But this idea of never quitting, it came from Jesus. Let's look at our next verse, the scripture in Luke chapter 18. Would you guys read this one with me? Luke 18, 1. Let's, let's kind of pull our hearts and voices together here. Join me. Let's read it out loud. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray. Circle that if you're writing on your hard copy outline. And never give up. You know, we all get tired we get weary, that, that, that is a fact. But it was Jesus' idea for us to attempt great things for him and never give up. This, this applies to everything. This applies to raising kids. I was talking to Joanne Campbell earlier this morning. She told me her day started at five o'clock with a screaming kid. I guarantee, I guarantee she's tired by now. And we got moms here that are tired, and, and mom's day's coming up, so one day a year we're going to pat you on the back, but the other 364, we say, lots of luck, mom. <laughs> it, it is tough, but you don't quit. You know, the idea of never giving up in this faith journey, and as a church community, is huge. People who give up, they never get anywhere. You know, it's just one step at a time. It's true in marriage. It's true in raising kids. It's true at work. You've seen people at work quit, give up. You know, punching the clock still, still showing up, but they checked out long ago. I, I get it to some degree because we get tired. I finished... Uh, a project helping our amazing daughter Mindy yesterday. A little construction, a little work, hung some lumber timber, made a little frame out thing, and 
Our granddaughter, Kinsey, came out and saw some red stuff on the wood. And she says, what's that? Is that what I think it is? I said, yeah, honey, that's my blood. And she said, well, why, what happened? What are, you, are you okay? And why, why did you do that? And I said, I just like to let people know I've been here, you know? And little DNA after effect. I got home last night. How many watched the Cavs game last night, huh? Woo-hoo! Uh, you're starting to do the math now, whatever it takes. Are you, you getting this? But, uh, man, I was tired. And, and can I tell you the truth? I didn't see the game. I was tired from being outside. I was wiped out. I woke up at midnight and it was all over. It was done. I had to pull up my ESPN app and go, who won the game? Watched the highlights. Went back to sleep again. But Jesus is the one that really pressed this upon us, that the impossible is possible. And, and, and I don't know anywhere in Scripture where God asked his people to do something and then the next day it was done, it was over. The Bible's just filled with people who pressed through obstacles and difficulties and hardships in order to get where God wanted them to be. And I think it's because it's the journey that draws us closer to the Lord. And so that's true in your marriage, it's true at work, it's true raising kids, it's true with your neighbors, it's true in everything in life. Nothing happens easily. But Jesus said, never give up. Do whatever it takes. The next verse, Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. And so today, I just as we kind of look to our future, I want to impress upon you that Jesus is the one that told us, don't give up. Number two, let me just throw a couple more thoughts at you and we're going to go into a prayer time. Our ability to do whatever it takes is found in God's new way. The Bible oftentimes refers to the life of a Christian as the way. Okay, the way. And this is a new way. It's a way of faith. In fact, we're going to talk a lot about faith during this month of May. And, and today, I hope you're going to just maybe get an initial sense and heart to be inspired in your faith, to, to say, with God's help, I will not quit. I will not give up. Let's go to the next verse, 2 Corinthians 4.1. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. There it is again. We, we never give up. The, the people who quit on their marriage, who, who quit on relationships, who quit on their church, who quit on, you know, loving others, I get it, you can be hurt and, and you can lose that love and feeling, but the truth is Jesus will fill your heart with more love if you've run out. So don't ever say, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. There's a great quote here from one of my favorite Christian authors, R.C. Sproul. He says, we are able to persevere only because God works within us within our free will. And because God is at work in us, we are certain to persevere. In other words, he's basically saying, if you are a follower of Christ, you will persevere. It's the fakes that are the quitters. It's people who are not the real deal, who basically let everybody else know they're not the real deal because they quit. 
I'm not saying people who are the real deal won't get discouraged. We will. But never give up is what Scripture is saying. All whom he justifies, he glorifies. None of the elect have ever been lost. If you're a follower of Jesus, don't worry. You're going to fail. You can't fail with Christ in you. So I really believe our new way of living for God involves faith because you can't do that on your own. Number three, one more quick thought. Our strength to do whatever it takes can be renewed each new day. When you're getting wiped out, when you're getting tired, when you're exhausted. And I want to be the first one to admit I've been there. But let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.16, what it says. It says, that is why we never give up. There it is again, same statement. We never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. And so every day you can get a charge. It's like my little electric car. I drive it a few miles, and then I charge it in, plug it in, plug it into the source of power, and it gets charged up, and I get a few more miles And every one of us have been called upon by God to plug into the source of our power. And I'm telling you, it's this simple. The book, his word, will charge us up. You don't have to wait for next Sunday. (laughs) He will charge you up. And you can have the strength to be renewed in his spirit for another day. One of the greatest examples of not quitting and never giving up is uh, from history. You may be familiar with the name William Wilberforce. He spent his entire life, you guys, fighting uh, the evil of slavery. I mean, constant discouragement. He was in the parliament in Great Britain. And toward the end of his life, as a much older man, they saw just the the spirit of parliament shift and a willingness to outlaw this this evil, absolutely horrendous practice of one person enslaving another. Here's what he said. I love this quote. William Wilberforce, our motto must continue to be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty will crown our efforts with success. Everything was against him. When it started, he was in a, in a really small minority, just a handful of people who said, this is wrong. We got to do something about it. So it doesn't matter if you're the only one or if, as in the case here in this community, there's a good group of us here. There's our temple brothers and sisters. We need each other. And we are joining our hearts together and saying, we don't have all the answers as to what's coming next, but we will find and discover those answers together, and we will never quit. We will do whatever it takes, because literally, there are people enslaved out there. There are people who don't know Jesus, and they are in shackles. Sin has enslaved them. It might be an addiction. It might be a a past hurt or something they've done that has paralyzed them. The only source of freedom that will give them permanent freedom and liberty is Jesus Christ. And that's what God's called us to do. Would you bow with me for prayer? Would you bow with me? You know, here here we are getting ready to close out in a season of prayer. And here's how I'd like to encourage you. You, you. You right now, you and God, heads are bowed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, 
can't think of a better time to just cry out and say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. Will you forgive me? Will you save me? Will you come into my life? I don't know all there is that I need to know, but I want to follow you. Will you save me today? I'm sorry for my sin. You can do that right now. Those of us who are a part of this church community, I'm going to ask you to do something we've done just a couple of other times. It won't be long, just a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to join a couple of people around you. We're going to do it you know, very quickly. I'm going to ask you to join hands if you're comfortable doing that or just bow your head together beside someone else. And if you're comfortable praying in front of others, then pray. And we'll fill this room with the audible sound of God's children praying. And here's the three things I want you to pray. Would you pray? Would you pray with all of your heart, by faith, believing that we will be ready for this next step, that God will prepare us individually? And then would you pray very specifically here that if this sale to the Word Church is what God wants, would you pray that nothing will get in the way, that it'll, it'll go through and, and we'll be on to the next step? And then number three, pray that God will show us what our next step is. Along the way, pray for our trustees. I value your prayer and your to have God's wisdom. Pray for that. But after we've prayed for a few moments, it won't be lengthy. It's not going to be long. It's going to be five minutes. Pastor Jay is going to come and lead us in prayer and close us out and we'll send you home today. But I thought, you know what? We're at a point now where we need to call upon God's people to put some faith and prayer into this Believe Land vision. And so I'm going to ask you, it's the best way I know to do this. Would you stand quietly now? You can look toward the front. Stand if you would. Look around you. Take about 30 seconds to pick out two people, maybe. Maybe two people, one or two, to pray with. And then immediately be seated and begin your prayer time. And we will pray for a few moments. If, if there's no one around you, this just doesn't fall together for you. You just, you just be seated and you go right into your own prayer time. But try and get with someone else, even if it's a stranger. Let's go ahead right now. Let's go into our prayer moment. Would you do that? Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you. God is a collective body of believers. Father, asking for your will to be done. God, I just pray that it would be your will, not ours. As we move forward with the Believe Land vision, God, in the way that, that you want this to work. God, I pray that we would be ready as a church. Lord, that we would be ready as individuals for doing whatever it takes. God, for your vision for this body of believers to be able to continue to move forward and reach people for you. God, I pray you would help us to not give up. As your word says in 2 Corinthians, um, Father, that even though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed 
every day, Lord. So help us to be renewed every day because, Lord, let's just be honest. In a process that is sometimes seems like it's dragging, God, um, knowing that you are involved, knowing that this is, is your will and this is your timing, God, help that to renew our spirit and to keep moving forward. God, give us wisdom for the right decisions to be made. Lord, give us wisdom to, to see your hand moving, uh, to keep us focused on the vision and, and for it to be, to be your desires and, and not ours. Lord, I pray for our leadership, for our, for our trustees, for everybody involved, looking at all the, all the details, all the, all the ins and outs, the, all of those things. Um, Father, I just pray that you would, um, your spirit would give them wisdom and, and, and grace and peace and blessing beyond anything God, that we can imagine. Lord, we, we want this to be you. Lord, you are the God of the impossible. And so, Lord, if, if that means that the door needs to be slammed shut, then, Father, I pray that, that that's what would happen. But, Lord, if not, if this is your will, God, I pray that you would just kick the door open so that we can go through it and we can, we can move forward to do what you want us to do. God, show us. Show us what our next step is if this happens. Lord, we'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise because you deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.